Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message. Uh, I want to talk about some things this morning, some direction that we're going to be going in 2020. Pastor Josh is going to sit up here and help me, and, and uh, I just believe it's going to be awesome. Hey, welcome to the future, man. We're about to enter 2020. When I think of 2020, I think we're in the future, but there's a lot less hover cars than I anticipated. I don't know where they are. I, however, I can order food from my phone, and it will come to my front door. Uh, so what a time to be alive, amen? You're like, we've been doing that for years. It's called pizza delivery. It's different now. You can get anything, okay? Um, I want to talk to you this morning uh, about 2020. For those of you who've been with us at our church for a while, you know in 2019, God usually gives us a vision word as a church, and our word was available for 2019. We talked about how everywhere Jesus went, he he walked at this pace of grace and was always available to to do something for the Father and always available to speak into people's lives. He was never we never see Jesus running anywhere in Scripture. And so we talked about heading, setting this pace in our life, uh, walking at the pace of grace and understanding God wants to use us. Uh, so we have to always be aware and alert and understand God wants us to be available to be used by him. And then, so in 2020, we've been praying about uh, what the word that God would have for us is. And um, so we've been praying over it as our leadership and talking about it. And for 2020, we believe that the Lord is taking us to a different place. We're going to explain it uh, this morning, but I believe that our word for 2020 is abide. We're going to, uh, in 2020, we're going to abide. Uh, abide means to remain stable or in a fixed state. And we know, and this comes from scripture in John 15, verse four through five, Jesus said, he was talking to his disciples and also to us. He said, abide in me and I in you. As a branch, you cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, and you're the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. So apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, I think we've gotten really good in church, not this, just this church, but in the church in general, about having public corporate encounters with God. I think we're really good at coming and worshiping, and um, we feel the presence of God when the worship team does the bridge again, and you're like, yes, Jesus, and, and then the, the pastor gets up, and, and he preaches a word, and it touches you, and some tears come out, and it does, oh, the Lord is in all of that, but I think we're really good at that, but sometimes I think we lack in personal, private encounters at home. I think often we, we think that Sunday morning is it, and this is where I'm growing in my relationship with God. Um, if you don't believe that this is the, the case, watch most prayer meetings at any church. Because we often get a big crowd on Sunday morning, which is awesome. I love worshiping on Sunday morning. It's great. But when we call for a prayer meeting, many churches will have two or three gather. We're blessed here in our Sunday night corporate prayer. We usually have maybe 15 or 20 that come and we pray every Sunday night. We'll be doing that tonight at 6 if you're interested. This is just a shameless plug, no guilt involved. But Come, seriously, come. <laughs> but I think a lot of times in our relationship with God, I see so many Christians, young Christians and, and seasoned Christians who have a lot of ups and downs in their faith because I think they haven't captured the idea that I need to have personal encounters over and over with the Lord. I've heard it said, I need to have an encounter so I can have an encounter. 
And I think that's true because oftentimes we get complacent and, we, and when we're on this high with the Lord and then we get complacent and we come down and we wonder what happened. And because I'm not having an encounter with God, uh, we're, we're living in old bathwater of an encounter that happened years ago and we wonder why our faith is stale. I don't want to take a bath in old bathwater. Maybe that's your thing. It's probably Josh's thing, but not me. Um, do me a favor. I'm going to preach... I'm going to do preaching suicide this morning. I want to ask you to pull out your phones real quick for me. Pull out your phones. Some of you are like, I'm already there with you, bro. It's right here. <laughs> Get off Facebook. I want to talk to you for a minute. Um, but where are my smart phone people at? Where are they at? Let me see. Hold them up. All right. I see them. Where are my dumb phone people at? Anybody still got a dumb phone? Okay. Okay. Stop playing snake and listen, okay? You got your Nokia. But I, know, I, I don't know if you realize this, but many of you, I'm sure, do because you have a smartphone, but these phones can do amazing things. You can do so many things on your phone now. Uh, my wife's phone has four camera lenses, three on the back, one on the front. Four camera lenses. You can take better pictures with this phone than you could with a $1,000 phone years ago. It's amazing. Um, I can track my sleep on a phone. I can track my exercise on a phone. I can track, track my heart rate on a phone if you have the watch. you got to have the watch. But you can do amazing things. I can even track my wife on her phone, okay? And it's not creepy. I only do it when I think she got kidnapped because she has a phone, but she doesn't answer it. That's how it works with her. And so... You can, choose, you can do so many things. I can listen to any song in the world. I can find out exactly how many minutes it will take me to drive to Toronto from here right now. I can do so many things. I can change the temperature in this room from my phone. Some of you are like, prove it. I don't believe you, okay? Tawana, right? <laughs> but... <laughs> I can monitor the cameras at this, in this church from anywhere in the world. I can keep my calendar, and it will remind me anything I need to do that day. You can do so many things on this phone. But do you know what? This phone has so much power within it, but if I do not plug it in, it can do nothing. If I, if I don't have power in it, it can do nothing. How many of you would get by by only charging your phone on Sundays? Is there anybody here you have really good batteries or you just do not use your phone? You're really good. But my question is, how, what would you be doing on Wednesday if you didn't charge your battery except on Sundays? Because it's useless without a power source. And I think many times we get shocked when our faith gets tested and there's no power, but we realize we haven't charged it since Sunday morning. And I think Jesus is looking for us in 2020 to have a faith that's abiding in him that is saying, you know what, on Sunday I'm going to charge, on Monday I'm going to charge, on Tuesday I'm going to charge, that whenever I need my faith, it's already powered up and ready to go because I've been abiding in the power source. Does that make sense? <laughs> you know, I think what we need to learn about Jesus in 2020 is he wasn't just available, Jesus was always ready. He was available, and he was ready. Why? I think it's important that we understand because he, he stayed ready with power because he was abiding. Let me give you some Bible to prove it. You remember the story with the disciples when they were trying to cast out a demon in a boy, and they came to Jesus, and they brought the boy to Jesus and said, we can't cast this demon out. We don't know what's going on. And Jesus uh, immediately cast the demon out, and they said, how come you could do that? And we couldn't. He said, this type comes out not except by prayer and fasting. Now, let me point something out to you. Jesus did not first go away and pray and fast. 
and then come back and cast the demon out. Immediately, Jesus cast the demon out. Why? Because he had already been abiding in prayer and fasting before he needed to cast the demon out. And sometimes in our faith, we don't move, and all of a sudden we need faith, and we're like, I don't have it because we haven't been abiding in Jesus. But I think Jesus wants us to be both available when there's a need, but also have power ready when there's a need. And that doesn't come except by abiding. And I think it's important that we understand that God wants to take us to a place of when trouble hits, I have power. Jesus lived a life of abiding, so power was always available. Another way to put it in biblical terms is there were rivers of living water and rivers of life flowing through him at all times. A river doesn't stop, it keeps flowing through. And God doesn't call us to be a pool or a lake. He calls us to to have rivers of living water flowing from us. So that means it comes in and it goes out. And Jesus had this power that came in and it went out. Remember when the woman with the issue of blood came to him and touched his hem of his garment? And what did he say? He said, power went out from me. He knew that it had passed out from him. And sometimes we don't ever get power in us. So how can we be a river with power flowing out of us? Jesus, he wants us to understand something. There's something about power flowing through him. This is what abiding does. It's because you keep the flow of God's power coming in and going out every single day. I want to share a story in scripture. You go ahead. No, go ahead before I do. I just wanted to point out before he jumps forward, because I know where he's going, and I'm telling you guys get ready for this, because this is where we're going. But in John chapter 15, scholars believe that every time Jesus repeats something, or whenever something is repeated, there's emphasis. And most of the time, you hear it when it's two words right after the, the, you know, verily, verily, I say, holy, holy. Over and over, he'll say things repeated. In John chapter 15, the word abide, he repeats eight times. Eight different times he says abide. Between abide in me, I abide in you. I who the Father abides in me, who then I abide in you. And the whole thing is about this tree where he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. I don't know about anybody else. I know Jessica Wilson probably can do this little manipulation where you can cut off a branch and put it in the ground and and make it live or something. I can't do that. A branch can't live without its vine. It can't live without the roots of where it's been. Abiding is that place where you get connected once again to the root of who he is. And when that happens, watch this, when that happens, what do roots pull on to continually sustain life that gets to the branches that produce the fruit? Water. It needs water. Roots pull on this water so that it can abide in the place that it is. And not only that, the roots, they get stronger. And what happens when the winds come? It can bend, but it won't fall over. What happens when the earth shakes? It may spin and all the leaves and the fruit may come off. And it may seem chaotic. And the swirl of the tornadoes may be around you. But those roots are planted. When the water's there and the roots abide, those branches will abide as well. When we abide in him, he abides in us. And in that place, we move from corporate to personal. We move from this place being the only place that we experience Jesus, that when you walk out those doors, it's when the real work begins. 
When you walk out your house door, you begin to sense the presence of God everywhere you go. And your eyes are opened up to every person you encounter. You don't see them as just another American, as just another person, as a Democrat, as a Republican, as this person, as that person. You begin to see that they're a child of God waiting for somebody to awaken and connect them back to the branch. You begin to see something more than what you could in this place. It starts here, but it sustains in our homes, moving from corporate to personal as we abide. You know, we were praying about this and uh, this word, and it's a little different of a word from, you know, I, wanna, I wanted like a powerful word to share with you, like this, this year we're going we're gonna to go forward and our word is purpose or, you know, something exciting like that or freedom or something. But we couldn't get away from this word abide, and the Lord has continually confirmed uh, that this was him. We, you know, as many of you know, we have a uh, sister church where Joey and Keisha are pastoring. They were members of our church, and they're now pastoring the, the church of God in Chandler. And so uh, we've been dealing with them and helping them and trying to uh, encourage them along uh, where God has them going. And, and this, this last Sunday night, we had a meeting with them. And we, we uh, shared, you know, with some of our leadership, this is where we're going. This is what our, what our word for the year is. And Joey, like, go ahead, fell out of his chair almost. Uh, remember Joey? And Joey just doesn't go, oh, that's good. This was Joey. What? <laughs> I'm just curious. Did you say bye? <laughs> no. Now, why did he say it? So he, he said that he'd been praying about what direction the Lord was taking them, you know, and we've been doing this together, and, and he's been modeling a lot of the things we do at this church, and so um, he said that he'd been praying, and the Lord, he couldn't get away from this word abide for their church in 2020, and, uh, and so he, he, he thought, I, I got to tell Pastor Brent, but he's like, this is a weird word. Like, Pastor Brent always has, like, a cool word, you know what I mean? Like, this, isn't, this is different, and so he's like, maybe it's not God, and he kept praying, and when he heard that the Lord was telling us the exact same thing, we thought, man, this is God, and we're doing this together, and we're all in the he, same He way. was afraid that we were going to come up with the word like purpose. And he was going to have to be like, word. I, I, I don't feel, he was worried that he was going to have to have that conversation with us about, I, I just don't feel like, it's abide. And so he was freaking out that in a moment we had not talked, but the word abide began to resonate because it's what God is doing in this generation right now. He's saying, my church will abide with me and I with them and my power will begin to flow through them. I want to point you to a story here in John chapter 4. <clears throat> Jesus sat down by a well and he talked to a woman about this. And so I want to bring some things out of the story for us this morning. Starting in verse 4, it says, Now he had, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us a well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never 
thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus is an amazing teacher because we see the story on the surface about a woman coming to a well for water. But Jesus is also pointing something out out in her own life that relates to this well that she keeps coming back to for water because she keeps getting thirsty. See, we learn about this woman that, that she actually had five husbands and now lived with another man. And so she had, lit, she had this sixth man in her life. And Jesus was not just talking about water here. He was pointing out the fact that you have to keep going back and getting another man to get yourself filled up because you think you're thirsty again. And how many of you know a thirsty person? Okay, this is a thirsty lady, okay? You know what I'm saying? Never mind. Anyways, let's move on. And it, but she had to keep finding a guy. <laughs> she had to keep finding, don't, don't point at him if they're next to you, it's fun. Um, just kidding. We, she had to keep finding a guy to fill her cup over and over and over. And Jesus was basically saying, aren't you getting tired of doing this over and over and you keep getting thirsty? And Jesus was saying, this, this, that is your well that you're drawing from. This is a well for water. And if you want to continue to stay alive, you have to return to this well because you get thirsty as part of it. Your necessity and your desperation draws you back to this well to get more water so your family can have water every day. And Jesus is flipping it and saying, this is physical water, and your, your spiritual water has been men, but there's a greater well, and the well is me. It's an amazing picture because the well came and sat down next to the well. Well, well. and so Jesus is, Jesus is showing her that you keep leaving and doing other things, and then you have to come back in need. And he's saying, you don't have to leave. This well can live inside of you. That whatever, wherever you go, the well goes with you. That, and oftentimes we do the same thing. We get close to the Lord and then we get complacent and we walk away and we do other things. And then I find myself in need again and I run back in desperation and I'm not ready because something hit me when I'm out here. And Jesus is saying, there's a well that lives in you that you can draw from every single day that you don't have to find yourself thirsty and out there looking. But how many times in your life, if you're honest, have we found our faith? like this because we're walking towards Jesus and then we get complacent and don't even realize that, that I'm walking towards my career or I'm walking towards my relationships and not realizing that I've turned my back away from Jesus. And I'm walking towards uh, fulfilling people's desires for me. And, or I'm walking towards whatever it is, fill in the blank with your life. But oftentimes we find ourselves having to run back to Jesus in desperation when Jesus is saying, I live in you. And there's a well, a spring of life that can come up out of you if you'll draw from it every single day. You don't have to be thirsty. Do you know the scripture says right here? In verse 10, Jesus answers the woman and she says this. He says, if... If you knew who it was that asked, give me a drink. If you knew me, if you knew me, you wouldn't ask for the carnal water. You would ask for the living water. God is moving us from this identity problem that the church has of understanding that God and the knowledge to a place of knowing in his heart. And the only place we get to the place of knowing the power that he is, the living water that he is, is when we move from charging our place once every week, when we think about it, to knowing him. So many times we look at this religion and we place these strict things on it. 
If you do this, then you do that. If you do this. How many of your relationships work like that? Mine don't. I, I, trust me, they don't work like that because there's a lot of times that I would want things more my way because I'm selfish. But I understand my love for my wife, my amazing wife, who, who because I love her so much, I stop doing things my way and we start doing things our way because I begin to know her. I begin to understand her. I begin to connect with her heart to heart. We begin to move as one. And do you know there's no difference in that than it is with Jesus, the Holy Spirit guiding us. But the problem is, I took years to get to a place where me and my wife can just now begin to flow and dance together as one. And we expect to do it with him, with a corporate encounter once a week for 30 to 45 minutes. If you knew who it was that asked you, give me a drink. He's asking this morning, give me a drink. You know, I think what it looks like a lot of times practically in our lives is we, we uh, have an encounter with God and we're, we're excited for a while. And then we get complacent and we walk over here and we find ourselves thirsty. And oftentimes when you're real thirsty, you'll drink whatever's in the fridge. And we don't realize that there's a living water that we've been offered. And all of a sudden I open my fridge and I'm dying of thirst. I'll drink that pickle juice. I won't. My wife will. She's gross. But you know what I'm saying is there's, there's a desperation. And you know this has happened in your own life. That when you, all of a sudden you find yourself thirsty and out there, you go back to the bottle. Or you go back to the casino. Or you go back to that thing that's going to give you that fulfillment. You go back to another broken relationship. Because in the moment, I just need to feel better. I just need to do something that's going to give me a fix. And Jesus is saying, you have a wellspring of life living inside of you. If you'll abide in me, you will never thirst like that again. And those things will not be your desire anymore. But then we, we understand that in one moment. And then we walk away and stop abiding. And all of a sudden, I'm out here thirsty again. And I have to wake myself up. And I I have to go back and abide with Jesus. It doesn't just happen. I, I think sometimes we think in the church that just by coming here, it should just happen. And I don't know how many times, like, this message isn't new. <laughs> You've probably heard us speak this message four or five times since I've been here, if not more. But the problem is, is we don't get it because we for some reason we think that he's this God way up there and he should just magically do things for us because he can read our minds but the reality is is what he wants most is to abide that's what he wants because he created us to be those that walk with him in a garden in the cool of the day what happens when we do that what does Genesis say he said I created man to what Reign and rule on this earth. You can reign and rule where you're at when the abiding begins to take place because you walk into your true identity of what he made you to be. In those moments, we can move past the, the, the simplicity of the religion things we have to do to the dance that he wants to live with us day in and day out. You know, I think many of us aren't experiencing the power of God in our lives is I think some of our wells have been plugged. Genesis 26, 15 tells us this, this story. I'm just going to read one verse from it. And 
And then I'll explain. It says, so all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up filling them with earth. Abraham had dug all these wells, and now his son Isaac, uh, the next generation, was alive, and, and he turned his back on these wells, and the enemy had come in and thrown earth into these wells, and there was no longer a source for water in this place. The enemy came and plugged the wells with dirt. You know what a plugged well is in the Scripture? It's a symbol of being cut off. Because in Scripture, wells were a place in the center of a community where people would gather, and that's where they would meet people. That's why the woman at the well went very early in the morning, was it? Or she went at an odd time because there would be nobody at the well at that time. And so these are, these are a center of community of connection, a picture of connection with each other, and a picture in the spirit of a connection with God, that if I can plug up this well, there'd be no place to connect any longer. And now this connection is cut off because of a plugged up well. This means if your enemy can cut off your connection to God, there's no power. And I think this is what we see in many Christians' lives. Isaac came later and he started to redig these old wells. I think God wants us to begin redigging the wells in 2020 that, it, that we've had in the past, wells that have been plugged by life, that we've turned our back on, and while we've walked away from the source, the enemy has thrown dirt in there, things in life have discouraged us and made us want to turn our faith to other things and turn our, turn our lives into different directions, and now that I think the Lord is calling us back because we're no longer receiving water from the well. And we have no power that he wants us to have. And we've told Jesus in 2019 we're available. But I think in 2020, Jesus is saying, if you're available, make yourself available to abide in the power that, I, that Jesus had. He said, greater works will you do than I have done. And i got to tell you, I don't see that in the church as a whole. But I want that. I'm hungry more than ever before to see Jesus do something in your life, in your family's life. I want people to come to this place knowing that this is a hospital where the presence of God does what he promised it would do in the word of God because we have people that said I will sacrifice and I will abide with Jesus so that when life hits me and people come here with a need I'm ready this year we're transitioning from this place being a hospital to you are a hospital your houses are hospitals when you walk into your work you're a walking ambulance ready to offer emergency services because of the one who abides in you do you know what a dry well is in Scripture? It's a prison. There's people all throughout Scripture that they call it a cistern, and, and they, they throw people in it. They threw Joseph in a cistern. Remember his brothers? They threw him in a prison. Jeremiah was thrown in a, in a dry well. And in the same way in our life spiritually, when you're living with a dry well, you may find yourself imprisoned. You may find yourself imprisoned in things that you look to to fill you up and fulfill your thirst because your well was dry and now you are in a cistern and in a dry place and that thing that you were looking to to fill you up now has you in addiction, now has you, now has you in depression, now has you in a place that was the opposite of what you went there for. It's like drinking seawater. In the moment you're dying of thirst, you feel like it's satisfying you, but it's actually slowly killing you. This is what other wells that the world offers will give you. Jesus said, I'm the living water, and if we allow that to dry up, you're going to slowly die and find yourself in prison. That's why I think it's important that we understand when the scripture said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. 
This is really important with this. This ties in well because I think so often we, we think, you know, I got, I got to take my eyes off the well. I'm still focused on Jesus. I'm going on Sundays. I'm, I'm doing my thing. I'm, I'm giving. I'm serving. I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything I can at church. But on Monday, I got to grind at my job. I got other things going on. You know, on, on Tuesday, I got to do all these different things. I got all these different things I have going on. And we take our eyes off of the well. And you got to realize, if Isaac hadn't make it, made it a priority to redig this well and said, you know what, I, I don't have time to worry about this. I got my family. I got my flocks I need to take care of. His family and his flocks would have died because they would not have had the sustenance from the well. But because he turned his eyes to the well, his family was able to thrive and live because his eyes were on the well. Yeah. And so often we, we don't understand that the, when we keep our eyes on the well, the enemy can't come in and plug it and all of these things will be added unto you. When we seek first the kingdom of God and we say, Jesus, my eyes are on the well. I want to abide in you. Your family is going to be taken care of. Your career is going to be taken care of. You see, what we do is we compartmentalize Jesus on Sunday morning, and then I got my work life, and I got my family life, and I got this, and I got to tell you, every time you take your eyes off the well, the enemy is throwing dirt in it you got to realize my eyes stay on Jesus and everything else circles around Jesus. That it's just an extension of my relationship with God. That I now can be a better father and husband because I'm abiding. I can be a better employee because I'm abiding. I can just do what God has called me to do because I learned to abide. One thing that I began to tell Brent a couple of weeks ago is I said, and, and I was referring to us as leaders here at Encounter, was my biggest fear is that when we walk out those doors, our thoughts of Jesus are left here. When we walk out those doors, we don't think about him again until we walk back through those doors. And I said, this next year, that's changing. I said, for our leadership, for this culture, when we walk outside those doors, more revelation is coming. More dreams are coming. Our thoughts are going to be higher because his thoughts become our thoughts. And I begin to prophesy and I begin to still feel this in my spirit that this place, this place is still, as we said months ago, the fire's going to begin to burn here because of the abiding of what the people here do. That it's not just on the Sunday morning or Sunday night prayers or shameless plug, our Wednesday night prayers. You guys can come Wednesday nights too. I would love some company. Fridays, Thursdays, Tuesdays, Saturdays, when we're not here, his thoughts are still higher than our thoughts. His ways are still higher than our ways. And the abiding doesn't stop, but our focus is on wells. Sometimes I think we run this race like it's Mario Kart. <laughs> like, where the race is over within a, a, a short period of time, and then we get a break, and we start it again. But he says, long is the race. Long is the race that we run because it's a lifetime. But he says, when you reach that prize and you grab a hold of it at the end, there's some words that will be waiting for it. It says, well done, my good and faithful friend. This church, these people, we are going to be known as friends of God, not just slaves. Our identities are changing when we abide. I believe this morning the Holy Spirit's speaking to some of you and just revealing to you how plugged your well has become. Because I think there's probably many in this room, if we're honest with ourselves, that there was a time that we were just so excited about the Lord. 
His presence was so real and thick, and we just, man, we were on fire for the Lord. And then life happens, and, and all of a sudden it becomes a chore to pray. It becomes a chore to get to church. It becomes a chore to give God my time throughout the day. I'm just so busy. And what happens is we, we find ourselves pursuing other things and takes our, take our eyes off the well. I love the, the 23rd Psalm where it talks about the Lord being our shepherd. And I love the line that says, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. But you know what I think happens is we take our eyes off the shepherd, off the well, and we go out and we're looking everywhere and we're chasing goodness and I'm chasing uh, a purpose for my life and a plan and I'm chasing money, I'm chasing relationships, I'm chasing everything and I'm, and I'm not meant to live that way. I'm meant to stare at the shepherd and goodness and mercy will chase me. But so often we find ourselves enslaved to things because I'm looking everywhere. I got to find this thing. I got to find a wife. I got to find a husband. I got to find purpose. I got to find a career. I got to find all these things. And we're chasing things that if we just keep our eyes on the well, they will come running to us. And I think we find ourselves exhausted and thinking it's such a chore to get to church. I'm so tired from running all week. And Jesus is saying, I never called you to run. I called you to stay at the well and abide in me, and these things will come follow you. And I think this is, this is a, a thing that we see all throughout the church, and I think God is giving us a specific word for our church, but also for the church as a whole, that Jesus was ready in every situation because he had this power that came with abiding. God is calling you to redig some wells in your life. Some wells of prayer, some wells of fasting, some wells of revival, some wells of believing that God is going to do what he promised he'd do for your family and for your life. To redig some wells that the enemy has thrown dirt in of discouragement, and you're thinking, I prayed for that for years, it's over, I gave up on it. And God is saying, it's time to redig that well because my word is true, and every word that I've spoken will not return to me void. But you got to dig up the wells yourself, they're not going to empty themselves. He's also calling us to dig new wells that generations after us are going to receive from. This is generational. Think about this story. Abraham dug a well. Isaac redug it. Where's Jesus sitting? Jacob's well. Isaac's son was named Jacob, and now Jesus is sitting at a well, and they're receiving water from Jacob that was received from Isaac, who had to redig it after Abraham did it. And I think many of you were blessed to grow up with parents that had gone before you and dug out some wells in your family, but there's others who did not, and you need to dig new territory for your family that's coming after you to say, you know what, I'm going to dig because my kids... We'll see what I'm doing. And I love the saying that says, um, one, what one generation does in moderation, the next generation will do in excess. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, if you look at your kids, honestly, how many of you can say, man, my kids are just like me? And that's probably not always a good thing, okay? Some of you ask your kid, where'd you get that sass? And they say, from you, mom. I don't know where else you think I got it. Like, uh, this is it. It's the mother's curse, you know, that said, I hope you have kids just like you. And often we do, but that could be both bad or it can be good. Because what your, my kids see me doing, I want them to see me digging wells that understand that the presence and the power of God is going to be carried on into their generation that they can run to this same well named Jesus and they can draw from it for their lives and for their children and their children's children that generations after me are going to be drinking from the water that I dug from past generations of the enemy throwing dirt on the wells. I'm going to say, not in my generation. If I have to 
to spend my life digging a well, if it means my kids will know Jesus, if it means my kids will not end up in addiction and end up in prison and end up uh, falling apart in their life emotionally, then I'll start digging right now. But we have to take our eyes off ourselves and put it on the well. It's important. It's important. It's really hard for a generation that's been raised and taught, and I'm talking multiple generations now, that have been raised and taught to think about self first. That we've actually lost something, and that's this generational thought that our children can, should, and would do more than what we can. We get so consumed with what we're going through right now that we forget that right now is also affecting them. And when we begin to change the thing right now, it's going to affect the thing then. So when we do things in moderation, when we pray in moderation, they're going to do an excess. When they see a mother and father praying, guess what they're going to do in their relationship? When they begin to see their mother and father worship at home, guess what they're going to do in their home? Guess what? When there's a prayer room in your house, guess what's going to be their whole house? Their whole house will be a house of prayer. When we do things now, the next generations get launched. It's not always for the negative. It can be for the positive. We always think in the negative, right? We always think that what this generation does in modern, it's going to be bad later on. But my Bible says that when the darkness comes, so does the greater glory. And I want the greater glory for my generations. I want the greater glory for your generations. I want the greater glory. You know, I think we need to realize in 2020 that this world needs the living water. And if we are honestly springs of water that can flow up out of us, that we're, there's rivers of living water coming through us, then we are not doing our part if we cut it off with ourselves. That this water is just for me. It's not just for you. And I got to tell you, the enemy is not afraid of you coming to church on Sundays, and this is the only time that you're getting any water. You know, but often what we do is, is we come to church on Sundays and we, and, we, and we worship and we watch the worship team dig and pray and get into the presence of God. And then we, then we watch uh, the pastor get up and, and preach a message and we say, man, that's awesome. He must have been digging all week. How great. This is, oh, wow, I'm receiving from what he dug. The enemy is not afraid of you coming to church and receiving from what other people have dug. He's afraid of you realizing that you have a shovel and 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 and every single person in here can begin to dig for themselves and all of the sudden there's a power that will rise up in the church that says, you know what, this is beyond just a good worship service. Every single person in here came packing something and ready to worship and I got to tell you I'm so hungry to see a church on fire for the Lord not because I preached a fire message or because the worship team did the bridge again I want to see people on fire for the Lord because Jesus Christ is speaking directly to you because you dug a well that there's living water that says I don't have to turn back Pastor Brent you don't have to worry about me going back to alcohol Pastor Brent you don't have to worry about me running back into sin because I'm digging for myself and no matter if this church is here or not Jesus Christ is my well and I'm not turning to anything else. Will you stand up to your feet with me this morning? And I dare you just to start to dig right now. I dare you to say, God, I don't care what past generations in my family have done. I want to see a well of living water rise up in my household. I want to see a well of living water rise up in my children. We break every generational curse of dirt that's been thrown on top of the well that tells us that I have to be just like my parents were or my kids are going to have the same issues I have in Jesus' 
name, no they will not. I'm digging a well that says that nothing can throw dirt on it any longer. I'm keeping my eyes on the well. Come on, just begin to dig with me for a few minutes. Come on and worship.